this morning for our guest. We are starting, we started last Sunday a series out of the book of Joshua entitled Possess Your Land. And uh, last week dealt with, there's two generations. There's the generation that possesses the land and there's the generation that refused to possess the land. And there's one of two reasons you won't possess the land God has for you, either because you're afraid or you're rebellious. And fear eventually manifests itself in rebellion. And uh, over at, or at least 50 times the word possess is mentioned in the book of Deuteronomy. It's spoken in about a day or just a matter of days, whatever it was. Moses spoke this in a very short period of time, just reminding the children of Israel of where God had brought them from, and his intention was that they possess the land. And God has some intention for you to possess some land. Look, I know land's expensive around here, and you're like, what are you talking about? We're not talking about physical land necessarily. We're talking about there are things in your life that God wants to do. There's a work that he wants you to take responsibility for. He wants you to possess it. I'll just reference it again. I love, I, I enjoyed watching Brother Max talk about Alex. You know what he recognizes? God wants me to possess her, raise her, love her, her to know him, prepare her, possess your land. God has a land for you to possess. And so this morning, and, and it's possible we're going to be dealing with this section for two or three Sundays. I'm still trying to work through that, but we're dealing with the transition period from Moses to Joshua. And so we're going to read all of chapter 34 into chapter 1 of Joshua. So Deuteronomy 34, 1, and Moses went up from the plains of Moab unto the mountain of Nebo to the top of Pisgah that is over against Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead unto Dan, and all Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim, and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah unto the utmost sea, and the south, and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, unto Zoar. And the Lord said unto him, This is the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, saying, I will give it unto thy seed. I have caused thee to see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not go over thither. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab over against Beth Peor. But no man knoweth of his sepulcher unto this day. And Moses was an hundred and twenty years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands upon him. And the children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses whom the Lord knew face to face, and all the signs and the wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, and in all that mighty hand, and in all the great terror which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel. 
Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go. We'll stop there. Here's the thought. This is the title of the sermon this morning. Turning the page. You cannot possibly possess the land that God has before you if you are not willing to turn the page on what is behind you. If you are serious in believing that God has a land land, figuratively before me, then you must be willing to turn the page. That means something, and there are things it doesn't mean. By the grace of God, we'll understand both, but turning the page. Father, thank you for the time to be together. We've asked you to bless, and we pray once again for your blessing. We have tried to make you the audience, and now we ask, God, that you would speak to us and that we would be responsive to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for standing to honor God's word. You may be seated. Do we have anyone here who enjoys reading? Okay, a couple of people do. Um, uh, it's, it, it used to be very popular. It's increasingly becoming less popular, but some people just enjoy a good book. Yeah, and this one serves two purposes. I can both read and work out at the same time, and so that's fun. Uh, some of you might know what this is. This is uh, Webster's 1828 Dictionary. A necessity for every preacher or pastor, (laughs) the Webster's 1828 Dictionary. So imagine that this isn't a dictionary, and some people just, they just enjoy reading. Curling up by the fireplace on a drizzly day, getting a blanket and a cup of coffee or hot chocolate or a giant Dr. Pepper with lots of that crunchy ice from Maverick, hallelujah, Man, and you just kick back, you cozy up, and you read. Anybody remember faintly what that was like ever? Some of you are like, no, I've never done that in my life. It's a waste of my time. Well, some of you can. For those of you who haven't done this, I'm going to help you visualize. And so you just kick back, you kick back, and you get cozy. Now, now some of you people are into romance. Blech. <laughs> You need to read this, husband. <laughs> some of you into action and adventure, some into history, some into science fiction because you're out of touch with reality. I mean, <laughs> I'm just having fun, relax. <laughs> Whatever it is, you just enjoy it. There are some times where you're at a, in a part of the book, if you've read much, yet people will say this, man, this is just starting slow. It's taken a while for it to get going. It, like, I, I'm reading it, but it's hard, it, it's hard to understand if it's ever going to pick up mental or emotional momentum. Is this ever going to go anywhere that I'm going to care about? Is it, is it going to be significant? Other times it's just so good, and you want to go back and read page 18 of the second chapter over and over and over again. Every time it's just like, oh, this is so wonderful. <laughs> One of my favorite books, Boys in the Boat. 
It's set in World War II, and it's about the rowing team that went to Nazi Germany and won the gold medal. It's riveting. And, I mean, reading that scene when they're rowing and hearing, hearing about the crowd and everything that's going on. And, I, I mean, I can almost imagine myself, and I just want to go back and read those pages over and over again. It's awesome. Here's the truth, and this isn't, this isn't hard to figure out, but you don't figure out whether the book has started slow or whether it's ma- amazing. You don't figure out what's next unless you're willing to do what? Turn the page. Sometimes this section is just, it's just so good. Okay, again, imagine this isn't a dictionary. And if you read dictionaries, I'll pray with you after the service. Okay, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Useful. And if you do read a dictionary, you're obviously smarter than me, and I'm sorry. Um, but if, if it's been so good, you're never going to know what could still be good if you're not willing to turn the page. Sometimes it's like, this has been horrible. This presently has been garbage. Now, in the case of reading, the whole book may be garbage. <laughs> but sometimes if you keep reading, I've heard people say this. They've warned me about a book that they recommended. It starts slow, but stay with it. Because if you're willing to keep turning the pages, it eventually gets really good. It's very helpful. What's true of reading is also true of God's work in our life. We have to be willing to turn the page from one moment to the next, from one day to the next, from one chapter of our life to the next. Now the concern here, and and we'll deal with this specifically in coming messages, but we're dealing with it more from an umbrella perspective this morning. The concern here would be, how will the work go on without Moses. God has led them to this place that they have hoped and prayed for for hundreds of years, waited on God for for hundreds of years, and now the leader, the only leader that they have known, and the leader through whom God did amazing things, really amazing things, he is now off the scene. And the question in everyone's mind is, how do we move forward without Moses? How do we keep making progress without Moses? How are we going to advance without Moses? And it, wasn't, it wouldn't have just been the people asking that question. The one God had raised up to come in as leader after Moses, he was asking that same question. You say, how do we know that? We'll get into this later because God does some serious affirmation of Joshua in chapter 1. Reminding him that, hey, I was with him and I am with you. I did work through him and I am going to work through you. And so that's the question on everyone's mind. But here's the truth from God's perspective. The work goes on from generation to generation to generation. If we can say it like this, within a generation, from chapter to chapter to chapter. From paragraph to paragraph to paragraph. From sentence to sentence to sentence, the work of God continues to go on. Now, it was right to say there's only one Moses. It, notice what it says in verse number 10. There arose not a prophet since in Israel, in Deuteronomy 34. There arose not a prophet in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, and all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do. He was unique in his relationship with God, and he was unique 
in the way God empowered him to lead his people. But I love this about God. He is not limited to one personality type. He's not limited to one skill set. He's not limited by one strength or one particular weakness. What made Moses an effective leader was the same thing that was going to make Joshua an effective leader. And it wasn't their personality. It wasn't a shared skill set. It was this, the presence of God. And if God was present with Moses, then he would be present with Joshua. And this is what Joshua had to recognize and what the people had to recognize. As long as God is with us, even though this person we have grown accustomed to, even this person in whom we have great confidence, even sometimes this person whom we prefer, even though they aren't here, if God is with us, we cannot fail. We will only make progress. And so... If God is with you, this is the conclusion. God isn't done working. So they mourn for Moses in verse number 7. Excuse me, verse 8. And it's a heavy and enduring time of mourning. But then notice what happens at the end of that mourning. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. Eventually, they had to stop mourning. And they had to start moving. You say there needed to be mourning. Right, there needed to be mourning. It was a life worth mourning. Every life is worth mourning. That life was worth mourning. It was a life that had been significant. It was a life that had been greatly used. It was a life that God had used to touch every life that was present in the nation of Israel during that time. But there came a point. When from God's perspective, he said, okay, the days of mourning him, the days of mourning what was, need to come to an end, and now it's time to move. Look at verse number one of Joshua 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, here was the challenge. The people had a choice to make. Were they going to hang on to the past of Moses? Or were they going to live in the presence with Joshua? Moses was so amazing. God did so many mighty things. There are so many memorable things that happened through his ministry, through his teaching, through his activity among us. But now he's gone. And we just want to go back to those days. But God wasn't done working in this day. And remember who it was that remember who it was that took Moses off the scene. They didn't vote him out. He didn't just wear out because we read in verse number 7, he was 120 years old when he died, his eye was not dim nor his natural force abated. Physically, he had plenty more to give. God just said, you've given all you're going to give. God said, you're done. And now it's Joshua's turn. And the point was, my work doesn't stop just because there has been a transition from one personality, from one style of leadership to another. And so the people have a choice to make. Do we continue hanging on to what has been? Or do we make a conscious effort to live in the present? Here's the danger. That we get so hung up on what was 
that we miss out on what is. We get so hung up on what was. There's two ways we do that. Hating it, regretting it, or loving it. We get hung up on what was. That we miss out on what is. This is what you can say. It's not the same. It's not the same in a good way. It's not the same in a bad way. But we can get hung up on it, right? When you go through transitions in life, when you turn the page, when you go from one page to the next, the the new page never completely entirely resembles the previous page. And that's because it's taking you somewhere. And we've got to recognize, the children of Israel had to recognize this, that God has turned the page. God has brought us into a new chapter, and it's because he's taking us to new places. There are new destinations. There is a land that he wants us to possess. The previous generation, because of their lack of faith and obedience, were were confined to wandering in the wilderness until they died off under God's judgment. But now we get to move ahead and possess some lands, but you cannot do that if you're not willing to turn the page on what was to live in the present with what is. They had to turn the page. Here's, how, here's why you can turn the page. Is knowing that the God who was in the previous chapter is going to be in the present chapter. You know what you read in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy? You read about God doing amazing things through Moses. You know what you read about in the book of Joshua? God's still doing amazing things. From one chapter to the next chapter, God is still working. And the same is true in your life. Let me, let me point out some things that they had to turn the page on. Number one, they had to turn the page on failure. You know why Moses wasn't going into the promised land? Because he sinned. He sinned. And God said, you go this far, you see it, but you don't go in. They had to turn the page on failure. They had to turn the page on lost opportunities. Sometimes we mess up, and then we miss out. Happens with my kids. Happens with me. (laughs) I recently had... A conversation with one of the many wonderful police officers we had here in the valley and in the course of that conversation they told me I might be driving too fast and then they gave me something to remind me (laughs) sometimes when you mess up miss out on going to Freddy's as much as you wanted to that month (laughs) They had, to, they, had to turn, they had to turn the page. They had to turn the page on success. Look at Deuteronomy 34 again, verse number 10. There arose not a prophet since in Israel, like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, and all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants, and to all his land, and in all that mighty hand, and in all the great terror which Moses showed, 
in the sight of all Israel. And they would look back on those days and they would look back under the time of Moses and they would say, God did such amazing things. We had our nation enjoyed so much success under Moses and it was wonderful. And they could have been like grown men reliving the glory days of high school basketball or whatever sport it was back in the day. You know, I can barely move now. <laughs> and I'm slowly getting there. <laughs> Back in the day. And that's what they could have been like. Man, God, you did some great things then. But here's, here's the problem with that way of thinking. Yes, he did great things then. But he can do great things today, too. In the same mighty works that he was capable of then, God is capable of them today. They had to turn the page on success. They had to turn the page on preferences. What's interesting about reading a book, if you do it with any regularity, you can prefer one chapter over another. I, even within a book, say, I really enjoyed this part, really didn't enjoy that part. But if I'm going to get to the end and I'm going to get the full benefit, I have to be willing to turn the page on something I prefer. You know, what, you know what God never told the people of Israel to do with Joseph, Joshua, excuse me, tried to combine the two and make a super leader called Joseph, <laughs> or we could call him Mashua. <laughs> you know what God never told them to do is to like Joshua's personality better than they liked Moses, or to prefer, prefer Joshua's style over the style of Moses. Never said do that. They just said to follow them as they follow God. That's what he said. You got to turn. Sometimes you have to turn the page on a preference in your life. If you're going to get the land that God wants you to have, then you have to recognize in every chapter of my life, I'm not going to prefer every single thing. And there may have been other chapters in my life where I preferred this more than the chapter that I'm currently in. But it, just because I don't prefer something doesn't mean God isn't in it. And it doesn't mean that God isn't working. So I have to be willing to turn the page on this preference. So many people bail out on things that God has them in and processes God has them in simply because it comes down to a preference or it comes to some kind of personality conflict. I don't like this. I don't want this. I don't think this is necessarily the best way rather than understanding from a bigger picture that God has you in this chapter of your life and he has you here so that he can take you to somewhere to possess a land that is great. Turn the page on the preference. It may not be the same. That's not how we've done it. This is not what I'm used to, but God can still be in it. I love verse number one and two. Moses, my servant, is dead, so you might as well quit and give up. Man, it's, it's all pointless at this point. All right, everybody go home. Uh, we have no home. Oh, well, go back to the wilderness. <laughs> might as well. Moses is gone. Obviously, that's not what God said. There is a turning of the page from one chapter to another chapter. But I am still God, and I am still working. And in essence, what he was telling Joshua, and what he would tell the children of Israel is this. Turn the page. Get on with moving forward to possess the land that I have laid before you. Here's the statement. In order to progress in the present, we must turn the page on the past. 
that doesn't mean that we forget. It doesn't mean that we ignore. It doesn't mean that we don't appreciate or take time to appreciate and honor. It doesn't mean we don't remember. It doesn't mean we don't learn from. But it does mean that we stop living under the shadow of what was to the neglect of what currently is. And there are those of God's children who struggle, whether it be because of great success, whether it be because of great failure, whether it be because of strong preferences, whatever it is, there are God's children who are not making progress presently because they are living in the shadow of what was, rather than recognizing that the God who was active in their past is still active in their present. And you just need to turn the page in your life and start moving forward where you currently are. We have a God who has worked, but we have a God who is working, and he wants you to turn the page and live in the present. Now, since we're all excited about this, let's talk about some areas we need to do that. Number one, some of you might need to turn the page on unbelief. You know what I mean? Simply by, let's just start with this salvation. Whether you come here a lot, you don't come here a lot, whether it's your first time in a service, first time watching, or you've watched many times, knowing, having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, knowing God is not about coming to a church. God uses a church to help us do that, but you aren't his child because you tune into a service. You aren't his child because you sit under preaching. You're his child because there was a point in your life where you recognized, I'm a sinner, and you turned in faith to Jesus Christ. And some, someone here may need to turn the page on unbelief. And for a long time, you've resisted. For a long time, you've held back. And you've even tried to conceal your current status by saying, I'm going to go through certain motions so people will get off my back. You just need to humble yourself and come to Jesus Christ, and he will save you today. You need to turn the page on unbelief. Some of you need to turn the page in your walk with God. For years, you have wandered in the wilderness of inconsistency reading the Bible. For years, you have wandered in the wilderness of inconsistency in praying for anything except when there was a crisis in your life. And then as soon as the crisis was over, you were back to spending more time on your phone and TV and computers and hobbies until the next crisis came along. Some of you need to turn the page on your walk with God. You need to recognize that he's in this book. He is speaking through this book. And every day that you make him a priority, he will work in your life. And you don't have to be at church for God to talk to you. That this Bible is effective no matter where you read it. Turn the page. You need to, young people, you need to get serious about your walk with God. I understand college students. I understand high schoolers. I understand that you're busy. I understand that the burden of school can be heavy and other activities, but you need to understand God wants to work in your life now. So give God some time every day to work in your life. Turn the page on it. Get serious about it. There's no lesson, there's no subject, there's no practice that ought to have complete priority over you learning to spend time with God and parents, that ought to be demonstrated for them. Turn the page. Some of you need to turn the page on your habits. You have been floundering because you won't commit yourself to just disciplining. I love that Brother Max said this. I love the transparency. 
You know what the transparency was? It would have been a whole lot easier to stay home. I don't, that does not bother me at all when people say that. Because I feel like that a lot. <laughs> Man, we're so spiritual and no. Flesh bones. My bed's just as, just as comfortable to me as yours is to you. And if yours isn't comfortable, sorry. <laughs> maybe, maybe some of your husband's, your couch is just as comfortable. Ha <laughs> ha, okay, I'm moving on. You know what Brother Max was referencing? I have made it a priority to develop a habit that church is non-negotiable. No, here's the thing. Here's, the, here's, here's been the challenge that I have continued to encourage God's people to how to navigate all of the different uh, views of the response to coronavirus. Do not make church and do not make God an exception that you don't equally apply to other areas of your life. You say, I'm not going to church. Well, then apply that to work. I'm not going to be a part of an assembly. Then don't go to ball games. I'm not going to, I can't be around groups. Then what are you doing in grocery stores filled with groups? Apply, if you're going to apply it, then apply it consistently. We, we so often, we want to make God an exception that we don't apply accurately to other areas of our life. If your kids can be in school, then they can be in church. Now, I understand this isn't popular, but hallelujah, somebody's got to speak the truth about the day in which we live. And I love this. I love this from Brother Max. I hope you don't mind me mentioning it, bro. I'm just so thankful for the transparency. It's not always easy to be here. But just because a habit isn't easy doesn't mean I shouldn't submit myself to it. It's not just that. It's the habit you have at home. Some of you parents need to turn the page on how you spend your evenings. And maybe give some priority to talking to your kids. Praying with them. Have a testimony time. I love that in Sunday school, in our Sunday school class in here, we do this before we have prayer requests. Before we ever get to what we want God to do, we spend time talking about what he has done. I love this at home. We don't do this every night. We, we mix it in with some other things. All right, everybody tell me something you're thankful for today. I love the deep things that come out of that. I got to play with Legos. <laughs> I got to play video games. <laughs> you say, wait, wait, what's the point of all that? I just want them to have a heart of gratitude. I want them to recognize that God is working. You know what? Andrea says something, and I say something, and some of you need to turn the page and get, let God be a part of your life at home. Your kid, listen, your kids don't need to spend all their time on some kind of screen. They need to spend time with you. Talking to them about God, loving them and investing in them. Some of you need to turn, your, turn the page on your marriage. You need to get over yourself. Some of you need to turn the page with your kids and tighten some things up and move forward. Some of you need to turn, your page, turn the page with your church and say, this is where I'm at and this is where God wants me. And I, and I know that, and I'm going to be all in with your job, 
But let me, let me deal, I'm dealing with specific things, but let me deal with some mindsets. A broader picture, rather. Some of you need to turn the page on successes. In life, there are seasons of life where you can look back and you can say, that was so good. And we can just think back to how good that was. I am not, I am not ashamed of this at all. And, and don't misunderstand this. But m- my time on staff in Stillwater was one of the greatest chapters of my life. It was, it was unique and special and what I got to be a part of and who I got to work with and how God used that authority that I was under and that team that I was a part of and the church family there. It was wonderful to get to be a part of all of that. And you, I can look back at that. Pastor Hardy will be here next month, the Lord willing. And you can ask him, was Jonathan Pyle always perfect? No way. But was that a successful time with the makeup of the staff and how things were going? He would say, yes, way. it was a successful time. But I could spend all my time looking back to that and saying, man, those were just some special times where God worked. But I believe this, that God in Stillwater is God in Idaho. And what God was doing great there, God wants to do great in a lot of places. Yes, I loved people there, but I can love people here. I was loved there, but I can be loved here. God can save people here. I know I'm getting loud. I know God saved people there, but he can save people here. You got to turn the page on success. You say, man, it was really good during that season of our life. It can be really good again. You ever notice how in relationships they fluctuate? Have the honeymoon stage, and then you have real life, and you're like, man, this seems seems like this. It can go up again. No, it can't. God can still be. You can still love that man. You can still love that woman. You got to turn the page on success. Man, that was a great message. (laughs) Okay, I'm about to make a whole lot of jokes. I'll stop. God that works in a Sunday morning wants to work on a Wednesday night. God that works on a Sunday night here wants to work at a chapel somewhere. You can't be living in the past all the time. Man, my kids were, (laughs) maybe every mom has asked this question. You know those days when your kids just do it all right? Some of you are like, uh, some of you haven't parented long enough yet to remember that. But I'm telling you, it happens. You're like, you get to the end of the day and you're like, I'm not bleeding anywhere. I haven't pulled out more hair. I don't have a headache. My kids were just so good, and you just want to put it in a bottle, and you just want to go back and relive that day over and over and over again. And then you get to the next day, and you're like, what happened to you, you psychopath? How are you the same person? You were so sweet yesterday, and you obeyed. You actually obeyed. And now you're acting like your dad again. What is your... How is this happening right now? And some of, some of you parents, you just, you got to turn the page on success. You know what the mistake parents make is they hold good days over their kid's head. That's really, really helpful. 
You hold good days over your kid's head instead of helping them navigate the current day in which they're living. And the only reason you remind them of a previous day is because you're venting. Man, that's helpful. You turn the page on success. Deal with your kid where they're at. Have you ever been up and down in your life? They're going to be up and down in their lives. Turn the page on success. You're going to have good days at work, and then you're going to have bad days. And in the bad days, you need to live in the moment and navigate it and stop, and stop longing for good days and, and figure out how God wants you to navigate this situation right now turn, because you can be successful again. But here's, you also need to turn, you need to turn the page on failure. This, again, I don't, I don't have anybody's life that I can talk about more than my own. You know, I want to give you an illustration from me, and then I want to I talk just generically about something I do with my kids. But there have been times when it's hard to stand up here because I know I'm messed up in some way. Or I know I come back on a Sunday night, and I know Sunday morning, just in my own heart, it didn't go like I, it needed to go. You know, you got to recognize that God isn't limited because you mess up. And God has more land that he wants you to possess just because you've misstepped. And so you just got to move on to the next page. You got to move on to the next phase. With my children, I, I love this. My, we deal with the sin. It's dealt with. It's not swept under the rug. It's corrected. It is dealt with. We have wonderful coming to the Lord moments to where there is weeping and prayer and calling out for mercy. That can mean whatever you want it to mean. Time out doesn't mean the same thing for everybody. You know, we have these times when we go through that. But I love saying this, and, and it happens quickly. Okay, look at me. Dry up the tears. Has, have you asked me to forgive you? Yes. Do I forgive you? Yes. Have you asked God to forgive you? Yes. Does God forgive you? Yes. Stay with me. Th this is what I say. It's over. Turn the page on it. Because we're not about to go back out into that living room. We're not about to go out into that schoolroom. And I'm going to be reminding you throughout the day of how you messed up. You know what we're doing? We're turning the page on this failure. We dealt with it. You need to learn from it. And you need to get out there and live life. And what I tried to instill in the hearts of my children, what I've tried to instill as a coach, what I had to learn as a player, I love hearing especially the, the, a particular position in football. They say about cornerbacks, they're defending receivers, and the rules are designed to give offensive players um, uh, the, the ability to have the advantage and to make it easier to play offense than it is to play defense. The rules are just designed that way because offensive football is more exciting than defensive football. And so you'll hear, hear cornerbacks say this, you have to have a short-term memory because you're going to get burned. You're going to mess up. You're going to miss an assignment. A receiver is going to get past you. They're going to catch a ball sometimes. And you have to move on to the next play. And what's amazing is to watch a defender mess up and the offense make a significant gain. Then the very next play, that same defender can make a great play and it causes a turnover or a significant loss you know why that's possible because they turn the page on failure turn the page where God has forgiven you 
Stop hanging your head over things that Jesus already dealt with. Stop hiding yourself and refusing to be what God wants you to be. Refusing to take steps of faith. Refusing to be involved. Because somewhere down the road you messed up and you're embarrassed about it. Jesus dealt with that shame. And he wants you to move forward. Turn the past on your failure. Excuse me. Turn the page on your failure. You say, it's not my failure. It's the failure of others. Right? an interesting thought about that it's almost like jesus anticipated that be kind one to another tender-hearted forgiving one another even as god for christ's sake hath forgiven you you know what he was saying turn the page if someone's going to come along with you and do right praise the lord if they're not going to come along with you and do right you got to keep moving on you need to turn the page And too many people, too many people allow themselves, too many of God's people allow themselves to be defined by the shadow of their failure or of other people's failures rather than moving into the promised lands of what God is trying to do in their present. And some of you need to get over what has been and start moving into what can be in your life. You say, well, it's hard. I'm not saying it's not hard. But you or your children or your church will miss out because you won't let go of what's hurting. I'm not saying it's not going to keep hurting. Here's what I am saying. You don't have to be defined by it. You got to move on. I have wept. I have wept. Hyperventilating, sobbing. I have wept over my own failure. I have regretted more than you can ever know things that to some would seem just a simple mistake, and yet sometimes those things can haunt me and weigh on me. I have regretted. Things that I've said, attitudes that I've had, failures. I can sit alone and have these thoughts. God, I am of no use to you. And yet this is the truth from the word of God. It's not stated exactly like this. But just because you fail doesn't mean he stopped working. Was there failure in the wilderness? Whole lot of it. But there was still a promised land to go conquer, a promised land to possess. And some of you need to get out of the wildernesses of your past and just start moving forward. Stop being defined by what happened. Stop being defined by what you did. You say, and this can happen. Well, other people view me. Let me deal with that in two ways. Number one, it only matters in the end how God views you. So then every one of us must give an account of himself to God. You don't, you don't have to answer to me. You don't have to answer to your neighbor. You don't ultimately, you don't answer to your spouse. You don't answer to your parents. Ultimately, you answer to God. 
and say, people at work think of me, people at church think of me this way. Ultimately, your biggest concern, your only concern needs to be, how does God evaluate the direction I'm moving in my life? Number two, we need to be people, we need to be a church that helps people turn the page in their life. I know I'm clapping a lot today, that wasn't planned. There, there are churches, they love to remind people of how they've messed up. They love to remind people of what's happened to them. Oh, you're, you're one of those. Oh, you did that. Oh, that happened to you. How about we all recognize we've all been there in one way or another, and we need Jesus Christ, and if not for the grace of God, none of us could be saved, none of us could be useful, none of us could have a meaningful, productive life. How about we be people that come along and say, look, we got to deal with this, but just like I do with my children when it's done, let's just start turning the page on it. Because here, you're not going to be defined by the addiction that was. You're not going to be defined by the loss that was. You're not going to be defined by the sin that you were guilty of. You're not going to be defined by the failures. You're not going to be defined by those scars. You're going to be defined like Jesus defined the woman who was caught in adultery. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. How about you be defined? How about we help people be defined by the work of God in their life? Man, that's good truth. You got to help people turn some pages. Turn the page. I understand you got hurt there. Man, I've, I've loved this. I'm lo- thankful for this. People come here and they're hurting. And it's okay, because you're going to be hurting sometimes. But you know what? You come along, you preach the Bible, you just pray, you love, you give God time to work, and you know what you're helping people do? Turn the page. And great things can still be. Here's the danger. I'll say it one more time, and we'll be done. We get so hung up on what was that we miss out on what is. In 2000. And two, I stood, I stood in a parking lot at a, a small church, a small building where my dad pastored. And my parents had their vehicle there. And Andrea was with me in our vehicle and our stuff was packed. And we were getting ready to leave everything that we had known move into something that was very new to us. I was, we were both still, I think, 21 at the time, and I was leaving home. We had been married for about a year, but you know how it is when you're all your family's in one town. Man, it's, even though you're, you have your own house and you're kind of living your own life, still everybody's involved. Dinner at different places, hanging out all the time. But I knew God wanted me to serve him. And I knew serving him meant leaving there. I get get teared up just thinking about it now. The last person I said goodbye to that day was my dad. And it's not like he was dead or gone. I'd never see him again. But I knew my life would never be the same after that. And I knew, that, I knew that I was leaving something very comfortable to go to something that honestly became very hard and very uncomfortable and has had many downs, many difficulties, but it's also had some indescribable ups 
And in that moment, what I was doing, saying goodbye to my parents, saying goodbye to Andrea's parents, I was turning the page. And because I've been able to turn the page, I get to be a part of something amazing like this. Some of you need to turn a page. I don't know what that looks like, but you do. And even if the present is difficult, you need to turn the page. Because God will work. Now he'll work. Even if the past has been amazing, God can still do amazing stuff. Turn the page. Don't get so hung up on the past that you miss out on what is. In order to progress in the present, we must turn the page on the past. Let's all stand.